Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined as always by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. And guys, it was pro day this week. Woo! Money day. Show me the money day. That's really what it is. Guys out there trying to get that bread. I was there. There were actually, I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised with the number of scouts and teams represented there today. It was really awesome to see. I mean, there were there were a handful of scouts. I didn't catch all the teams. I saw the Patriots, saw Bengals, Jets, Colts, Broncos, Cardinals, lot, lots of teams there. Exciting stuff. Yeah, that's encouraging. I think last year, if I remember correctly, I think all 32 teams were there and you know they had a reason to be because we had a lot of guys that had the potential for the NFL this year. I was kind of a little bit maybe worried about it because the based on the way that the record came out and how some of these guys maybe looked earlier on better in their career. I was like, I don't know if, uh, you know, all the scouts are going to show up this year. Um, but it sounds like, you know, they came out and some people showed up. So good for them. Yeah, it was announced this uh, at the owners meeting, the NFL owners meeting. It was announced that there's only going to be one cut day this year. So typically in the past, you've had three different cut days. You know, you go from 90 to 75 or, you know, whatever the numbers are until you get to your 53 man roster and then you bring back people for the practice squad. So this is going to be so much more important to actually evaluate players. So having all these different scouts coming to Stillwater, Oklahoma and checking out our guys, I think is indicative of, okay. Who can we pick up as an undrafted free agent and make sure that we're bringing them along through the entire pipeline, through all the preseason games before we have to cut people at the end of August? So, yeah, definitely encouraging. Pro day, there was, I don't know, I think maybe 10 or 11 guys, maybe a few more than that, who participated. Uh, some guys sat out of certain drills, like Jason Taylor, because he was at the Combine. Same with Tyler Lacey. They felt their numbers in certain things, like the 40, were good enough. That was Jason. He didn't do the 40 or the bench. He felt his Combine was enough, which I would agree with that. He had a pretty impressive combine. However, to me, the star of the day was probably Matt Hembro, our long snapper. He had a 36 and a half inch vertical and (laughs) 22 reps on the bench. He had the second most reps on the bench of of those who participated today. Sione Asi, who I think is a D lineman, he was number one with 26. So he beat out linebackers, wide receivers like Matt Hembro, let's go like that's so impressive to me you know a lot of times some of the guys will be like oh man I was just born a little bit too early like I wish I was here and now playing this time because you guys got the cool uniforms and all this stuff with him bro I'm like dude you got like the 
golden era of body by glass. Like I feel like I missed out a little bit because these numbers are insane. Like I thought my numbers were good back there, but poof. All right. Okay. Is, there, is there such thing as a golden era of body by glass? I mean, he had Fred Taylor. He's had he, Coach Glass has some pretty like outstanding. He has a great resume, right? It, his whole career is a golden era. <laughs> but okay. no, like if when you look at him, bro, or as people are calling him now, him, bro, because he is him. Uh, long snappers, what do you actually expect from them? Right? Are you expecting them to have a, a great 40, a high vertical, a high bench press? But gosh, it just shows that this guy has bought into the system. Um, you know, there's a guy that I know named John Denny. John Denny played until he was 41 years old as a long snapper for the Miami Dolphins. He's the longest tenured Dolphin in like team history. Um, and he was a long snapper. And the reason why I think that he was able to sustain such a long career was because, goodness gracious, this dude was fit. I mean, he did all the drills. He was out there like lean and athletic. He would snap the ball and then go down the field and cover his own, you know, cover the the, the punt. And I think that's that's kind of what we we can expect to see from a guy like like him, bro, because of his athleticism. So if nothing else, he may have made himself you know, some pretty good money for, for a few years. I know, Matt, I talked to him last week too, and he was talking about how he was really, how he's really been focusing on blocking because there's a very big difference between college level long snappers and NFL long snappers, where in the NFL, you have to get your head up faster and you have to block after. And I spoke with him after, after today. And I said, what are you going to do in the next 30 days to prove to teams that you belong on the roster and that, you know, that you're going to work on. And he said that blocking and having, Brendan Evers and Brock Martin back to have guys who he can go against and rush him will help, really help him because now, yeah, there are guys around, but when he's practicing, they're practicing and the schedules don't align. So he's going to have them back. And I also asked him, I said, what were you hoping for on the bench today? And he said, you know, in practice, I got 20, maybe 21. And if you watched him today, he was really grinding out those last reps and like, what a day to have yeah. a PR. What a day to have a PR. And it's always cool whenever you have like your team, everybody's hyping you up and around you. So you get that extra motivation, a little bit of an adrenaline rush to get maybe one or two more reps. So good for him. That's awesome, man. I wish the rest of the combine was as exciting as the bench press because everything else is quiet. The, the broad jump, the vertical, you know, you're like, okay, we're just going to sit and everyone's silent while they do this. And then, the, the bench press as they're getting to the, the final reps where you can tell that they're, they're maxing out, they're fatiguing. It's like the cheering starts. I'm like, why can't we cheer when they, they start the 40 or do the drills? It's just silent. And I, I don't think I would work well in those conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for the 40, it makes sense. Cause you have to be able to hear the gun or well not hear the gun, but just, you know, focus in. But yeah, if I was out there, I'd be hyped for the, for the high jump, like, you know, get people going, you know, like I'm trying to see some explosive muscles out there, but yeah, I remember last year, whenever I was at OSU's pro day during the bench press segment, Malcolm Rodriguez had everybody hyped. I'm pretty sure he got over 30. And it was like he, 36, I think that was yeah nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was going ham. It was crazy. Yeah. Another one who had a pretty impressive pro day was definitely Braden Johnson. He uh, had an, I've heard everything ranging from four, three, three to four, or four, three, two to four, three, eight for the unofficial 40 time. And watching him, he was freaking flying, flying. <laughs> like when you watch that, I don't think people realize how fast four, three is until you 
see it happen and it's over before you even realize it started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Elite, elite speed. I remember somebody telling me it was a scout in the AFC in 20 going into the 2021 season. This was actually January of 2021 who said, Hey, y'all got that one guy, uh, Reagan Johnson. Right. I was like, yeah, he's like from, from Arlington. I was like, yeah, he goes, keep an eye out on him. He just said, keep an eye out on him. That guy, that guy's athletic. And, of course, we saw what happened. You know, he ended up not playing that season because of just a weird injury in his thigh. But um, we've always known that he's had the ability. Like, he has the athleticism. It was just a, It's just a matter of putting everything together. So he might end up being one of those guys who maybe you didn't see him pop in college, but at the next level, you know, God willing, knocking on wood, that he stays healthy. You see him go on and have a great seven, eight, ten year career in the NFL. That'd be awesome. I mean, he's got he's going to have the Oklahoma State faithful supporting him all through that. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. Like four three, like you said, Meg. Unless you're there in person, like you can even watch it on on TV. You see, like the NFL Combine, they'll do like overlays to show how fast it is compared to other forty times. But unless you're there in person, it's just it's just different. You yeah. compare though with the overlays because I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, okay, yeah, cool. He's he's that fast or that slow compared to this other player in his group. But when you're seeing it, you're like, holy crap! Like they are running, they're running the forty, and then they're running an additional forty yards just to slow down. Like, yeah, that's it's it's yeah. They're zooming. They're zooming. And you know what? If you're a 4-3 guy, when you enter the league, I may have said this before in a different pod, but when you enter the league as a 4-3 guy, for the rest of your career, you're going to be known as a 4-3 guy. You can be year eight in the league, and scouts and GMs and coaches will still – oh, yeah, he's a 4-3 guy. we got a spot for him over here. Yeah. And if that's not going to get you on the field at your position, it's at least going to get you a chance to be a gunner, to be to have a lot of impact on special teams. So um, I fully expect just his speed alone and, and his physique, his stature, to be able to get him um, invited to a camp. Another guy who had a pretty fast 40 time, and these are coming from these numbers are coming from the pistols firing blog. Oklahoma State is not releasing official results, so it was up to reporters to shout out to pistols firing. So, yes, thank you, pistols firing. I know I was there. I absolutely do not trust my reflexes to get an accurate 40 time, so that is why I did not write them down myself. (laughs) Um, I'll just take someone else who has done it more times, but CJ Tate, he clocked in at a four five on that 40. And if you don't know CJ's name, it's probably because he hasn't played too much. He played in eight games this year, mainly on special teams. He also had a 38 and a half inch vertical. So this guy did not see much game action, but put up pretty impressive. I mean, I think he had pretty impressive numbers. He had 10, seven broad jump. Like that's far, guys. That's far. It, I mean, gosh, those those numbers are great. Like the numbers are really impressive. A lot yeah. of these scouts, though, they're going based off of film. Like they value that so much more than the actual pro day performance because these drills have been they've been happening for decades now at the at the combine. So it's easy for people to prepare for these drills specifically. And I don't want to knock CJ at all because that's that shows a lot that he was able to get those numbers. Um, however, you know, with that being said, it's hard to gauge somebody's athleticism when they know what's coming. I think the the real value of those pro days is afterwards, whenever the coaches are taking him to those pos- position, 
position-specific drills. And those position-specific drills, man, say that five times fast. Those are the ones <laughs> that um, really allow scouts and coaches to get a, a great feel for what a player can do. And I was looking up his profile, like a little, little bio on, on Oklahoma State's website. It looks like he's from Oklahoma Kid, PC North, and uh, he played basketball. So that makes sense now for that vertical, I guess. 38 and a half. Woo. He can dunk. No doubt. <laughs> I agree that these are, you can plan for them and everything. That being said, could having these numbers earn him a spot as an undrafted? I mean, he's not getting drafted. I don't say that to be rude. He's, he's not getting drafted. Um, but could those numbers be worthy of maybe be like, you know what, let's see what this guy can do on the field. He impressed us enough at his pro day that let's see what happens when he's in pads going against our top DB or another rookie DB. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think that that would be rude to say he's not getting drafted. It's, it's just a reality. And there's only, a, there's a certain number of spots and he's just not at that level, which is totally fine. The people that are resilient are the ones that make the rosters and the people that are even more resilient are the ones that can get on the field. So as long as he keeps his head down and keeps doing what's right, uh, doesn't get discouraged whenever things don't go his way, just keeps grinding. He can definitely make a team. He can, maybe even get out there on the special teams and, and build his way up from there. So um, crazier things have happened. Yeah. I hate to say it, but he's not going to make a team. <laughs> I just, you're competing against everybody in the country who has gotten action on, you know, playing. That's not to say you can't go to the CFL or the XFL show what you have over there in order to get elevated to the NFL and earn a spot there. Maybe it's practice squad. I mean, I've seen it happen before to where a player's agent had a great relationship with either a coach, a scout or a uh, an owner. And that person owed that agent a favor and was able to get it done that way. But gosh, the, the numbers are just not in his favor when you're looking at everybody across the country and the draft and, and, and even these signings are more of an economic exercise than anything. Like, do is it worth spending a pick or given a roster spot to this individual if I know that I have to pay him this much and I know that he's played this little, right? So like all of those things come into factor and I don't know, man, I, I, I'm not in the dream killing business. I just don't see it. There are several people within the program um, that were a little surprised and I'm not saying they're high ranking. I'm just saying that people who work within the athletic department were a little bit surprised that he was even declared for the draft is there anything wrong with him declaring when you don't really get much game action i mean if this is your dream why not throw your hat in the ring yo i declared and i didn't yeah i i wasn't about to get drafted i wasn't about to you know sign on to a team but i did it anyway and i think a big reason why is well the big reason why i did pro day was because i was able to go off and say how many people can say that they did this? You know, you got to perform in front of 32 different teams. It was cool for me. Afterwards, there were a couple of teams that were impressed. I talked to the Giants and the Falcons. I remember those were two teams that came up to me afterwards just because of the performance. But even then, I walked off the field that day knowing that that was the last time I was ever going to be on a football field to compete, right, in a meaningful matter. Uh, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with training, going out there to perform and give it your best. Yeah, I got out there, uh, was out on the practice field. All the scouts were around, and I just yelled out as loud as I could, I declare eligibility! And nobody cared, so. 
you can't just declare eligibility, man. You have to you have to file for it. <laughs> Don't expect anything to happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's uh, yeah. I mean, look, the, the, and then the draft and pro day are so different. So, like, you get to the sorry, sorry. Let me let me rewind that. The combine and pro day are so different. Each player goes through extensive medical exams. They're taking all these psychological tests, these aptitude tests. They have interviews and then they do the workout you have all these measurements all these things happen in indianapolis at the combine whereas at pro day it's a lot more lax right you don't only have 15 minutes to speak to each player so teams and scouts they have more time to actually spend time with the players if a player is important a club might actually send a position coach the day before pro day to interview them and do some board work with the prospects which I expect that's maybe what may have happened with a, with a guy like Jason Taylor, right? Which is, you know, very exciting for him. From what I heard, he has a workout lined up with the New York Jets as well. So, you know, some great things are happening there. But um, as far as actually, I don't even know where I was going with that. I don't, I, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> the difference of the combine and why not just do it? Or the, not yeah. the combine, the, the pro day, why not just do it? But yeah, exactly. Why not just do it? Yeah, although you were talking about the the physical exams and all of that that happen at um, Combine. And I just want to say, uh, you know, they obviously do all the measurements here and they're just like yelling out like players' names, like Brock Martin, height. Wait, if they sat there and called out my height and weight, I'd be like, are you really right now? Two or <laughs> 50 people, especially if you're like undersized or underweight or overweight for your position. It's just like, <laughs> Well, shoot, I should have put on for more pounds or lost more weight, but I'm like, this is just. Can't relate to that at all. I don't know. I'm... <laughs> Justin Southwell, 5'7". Like, no, it's 5'8". They measured me wrong. I'm like, Yo, You do everything you can during pro day to try to get an extra inch, to try to get like an extra yeah. tenth of a second to try. Like everything matters. I remember like <laughs> trying to stand on my tippy toes, even though somebody's watching from the bottom. Or like whenever they're trying to get your your arm reach, um, like I remember, who was it? It was I think it was the Steelers. Like a scout comes up to me, and he goes, "No, no, no, I need you to like to to, to lean back a little bit. Like you're, you're you're trying to cheat right now. Like I was trying to do everything that I possibly could to get the best measurements. But yeah, people are out there and 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 they're watching. They're watching clubs. Yeah. On the subject of measurements, uh, Brendan Evers. Back in Stillwater, he dropped about 18 pounds and he had a 32 inch vertical. His unofficial would have ranked third among defensive tackles at the combine. His nice. unofficial 49740 would have ranked among seventh among defensive tackles at the combine. So I'm so happy that he had a really good day. He felt really good about what he did out there. Uh, and I just want to say, to anybody who was angry at him for cutting his season short to rehab his injury, no. Like that, I talked to him about that decision today and what it meant for him, and it literally saved his career. His yeah. shoulder was in a really bad spot. He came back because hoping that he had two shoulder surgeries after their Fiesta Bowl in 2021, came back after getting two pins and 40 staples in his chest to rehab those injuries to his wow. shoulder. And 
it was gut-wrenching for him to make that choice. He So for anyone out there who was against him saying he's quitting on the team, absolutely not. He talked to every single coach, the 150 players in the locker room, and every single guy, every single guy in that locker room said, do what's best for you, take the time you need, go rehab, get better, and chase your NFL dream. So I will not have any Brendan Evers slander. He quit on the team. Won't have it. Will not. I feel like a lot of people that have that mindset, may, they probably just didn't play the sport past a certain level. Because once you're in college, once you're in the NFL, all you care about is football and you will do whatever it takes to get on the field. And I mean, even Bray last year broke his hand and people are like, what, what is wrong with this guy? Why, why can't he get out there? Why, why isn't he like running – you know, and it's like, well, it comes to find out he broke his hand and then he, he injured his knee or something like that in, in the Bedlam game. And it was like, okay, are we going to like question the guy's toughness because he can't go out and catch with a broken hand? Like it's physically impossible. So sometimes there are injuries that are physically impossible to recover from in a quick enough time to get out there and actually give a crap, like actually do anything on the field. So yeah, it's, um, good for him for toughing like uh, you're you have to like give him props for making that decision it's a hard decision to make everybody wants to come back everybody wants to be able to play and contribute and whenever you can it, it's not selfish you have to come back and you have to like put yourself through that rehab to get you right back where you were and it, it's a very tough decision and what makes it even tougher are whenever the so-called fans are giving you a hard time about it or talking bad about you behind your back because of that. And yeah, just, I, I'm, I hate that he had to go through that and uh, hopefully he can, you know, bounce back, make an NFL roster and, um, you know, go pokes. We'll, we'll yeah. ride with you. Yeah. I have so many different thoughts just surrounding this, but just three things. One, Brendan, I know that football players in general, you are coached and you are, it's ingrained in you to think about, the team first, your teammate second, and then yourself third, right? And it takes a lot to come to the decision to say, yo, I just can't go because this hurts too much or because I'm in so much pain or I have to think about the future. And I don't know Brandon at all, but I, I would assume, right? I would think that it was a really, really tough decision for him to be able to say, dang, I can't be out there with my guys to help them make a run, right? So that's number one. Number two, please, please make sure that you have all of your medical documents in order. That is something that will delay the entire evaluation process. Go talk to every doctor that operated on you. Go ahead and um, talk to your athletic trainers. Make sure that all of those docs are in the database, the NFL database, so that it's easy for them to access all of your medical records. It is a great thing that he stayed afterwards and spoke to all the different teams and was able to kind of clear up the story because a lot of those stories will get will get jumbled. I've been through it whenever I was advising a player and it took so long to just get clarity on what actually happened, not just um, with his actual health, but the actual story of, okay, so did you quit on the team or were you looking out for yourself? What, what happened here? So having that clarity is everything. And the third thing that I will say, Twitter is not real life. Okay, Twitter is not real life. A really, really small segment of the population that oftentimes is not reflective of what the grand fan base is actually thinking. 
right? So just always keep that in mind. And I think that goes for every single athlete. Just remember what people are saying on Twitter is a very, very small population that most of the time just has the loudest voices. And it's, it's, it's not indicative of uh, the opinions of the fans. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like Andrew McGee from our squad. Like whenever he, I mean, I, th I think he did what he could to have all of his medical documents in order, but it was like, he had a chance to play with the Chicago bears and they were doing the physicals and stuff. And it was like, you broke your neck, you broke your wrist, like all these different things. And it's like, uh, dude, I feel bad for you because you could be a great player in the NFL and they just look at it. And if they don't have everything that they need to see on their end, it's hard for an NFL team to actually make the investment in that player and just, yeah. decide I'm going to go with this guy over somebody else who appears to be hundred percent healthy. So yeah, it's a, just a tough situation, especially with the game you love. If, if you get injured, uh, just how you can be viewed as, you know, not just what, what you were. So shout out to Andrew McGee and his 0.0% body fat. <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> no, must be nice. It must be nice. I bet he gets cold in the winter. Yeah. And I do, to your point, Eve, about Twitter, I 100% agree. And I just want to clarify, Brendan did not say anything about anything fans said negative about him. I was just coming to his defense about anybody out there who might have potentially questioned his decision. Because he also, this was when they were 5-1, and one, and they wanted to get back to Arlington. So it's not like this was, you know, when we're falling to 5-4 and four and the season's on the de decline. Like, this is when they are still very much in it after a tough overtime loss to TCU and it, he was still and I think to this day it still hurts him that he had to make that decision to leave his team but yeah. ultimately it was the right thing in order for him to achieve his dream of being in the NFL and after getting to sit down and talk with him today I want nothing more than this kid to make it and like have an amazing NFL career because he cares about this program so much. He said several times, like that defensive line, like those are his brothers. This is his family. And that's something too that I took away from Pro Day is that I asked a lot of these guys, this is the last time you're really a part of Cowboy football as a player. This is, you know, you're not on the team anymore, but this is your last thing at Oklahoma State. And every single one, uh, every single one of them was like, wow, this key means everything to me. Some were like, I never even thought about it like that. But We've talked about the culture and everything, and I don't think people were putting on a front. They were just talking about what this program meant to them and how honored they were to be a cowboy and how this team and this this place is going to be a part of them for the rest of their lives. So. Yeah, I remember at the end of my pro day, right, 2013, it was me and Tyler Fields. Tyler Fields was a linebacker, number 48, one of the most poetic people that you'll ever meet. He actually did poetry, but at the same time, very, very inspiring individual. And pro day was over. It was just me and him. We go off to the sideline and we're just sitting there by the stairs and we're just talking about, and reflecting on the last four years and, and how meaningful that it was for us. And it really is a sobering moment when you can just sit back and talk about, man, this is the last time that I'm going to be here on this field to actually put on a performance. And, you know, it makes you feel some type of way, but hopefully they can look back at their experience and can hang their hat on the great work that they have done and uh, um, look forward to what's to come. Yeah. A couple other guys to quickly touch upon. Uh, Eve, you mentioned it with CJ about, about training for certain things and it's easy to look good when you know what's coming. Well, I, I talked to Brock Martin. He had a pretty 
pretty solid day today. I'm trying to pull up some of his numbers from pistols firing. Shout out to pistols firing. Appreciate your help on this. Uh, he had a 47540, which isn't terrible for an edge. Uh, 30 and a half inch vertical, also not terrible. 17 reps on the bench. I'd say a, a solid, a solid showing from Brock. Yeah. But I asked him what he's most looking forward to or what he's going to do the next 30 days to prove he deserves a roster spot. And he's like, I'm going to get back to training for football and not training like a freaking track star. And that's something you don't think about is the combine is such a unique skill, not even skill set, just a unique set of workouts that you're specifically training for. So how different is training for the combine versus training for the NFL? Well, I want to say, first of all, whoever thinks that 17 isn't a high number for a linebacker, the dude was wearing like this massive arm brace on his yeah. arm for the last like two or three years. So that's pretty impressive in my opinion. Um, but yeah, as far as being able to train, for football, I mean, yeah, there is there is a little bit of a difference. I think even whenever you're doing pro day, combine, or even if you're trying out as a um, a walk on, a lot of the training that you're focused on is more in the uh, track and field kind of thing. It's like run your forty time and do your vertical, and and you focus on bench press a little bit too. But um, versus, yeah, actual football drills there 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 is a big difference and uh it is kind of interesting unique that we we emphasize the combine and pro day and put so much emphasis on these numbers versus you know can the guy actually just go out and play can you make tackles can you you know and uh we do know that about about uh brock martin he can he can make tackles he's a tough guy yeah, I mean, they're two completely different things, right? Tra training for these drills versus training for actual football. Like, who cares? In fact, I'm going to quote my guy, Mike Pouncey. Mike Pouncey, shout out to you, just retired as a Miami Dolphin, had a great career, legend in the state of Florida. So, Pouncey, what's that? We're in Oklahoma. Well, yeah, but you know. <laughs> anyway. So, Pouncey would come in every single year during those off-season workouts, whenever the new crop of guys are coming in. And he would just pay attention in the weight room and see who's really, really good at working out. Like the person who was just squatting the most, was benching the most, was just a workout warrior. And he would scream out loud, hey, coach, he too good at working out. He ain't going to make it. Hey, he ain't going to make it. He too good at working out. So much of that stuff doesn't translate. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. I mean, like you, you have your exceptions, of course. But for the most part, if somebody's really, really good at the gym, more times than not, they're not very mobile or they're too stiff or, you know, this or whatever it is. And he it, it's it was an uncanny ability for him to recognize who would and who wouldn't make the football team just based on how well they performed in the actual gym. So tying it back to your question, yeah. If you go and you have a bad pro day, a bad combine, are you a football player? It's one thing to have a bunch of athletes on your team. It's another thing, thing to have a bunch of football players on your team. And there is a distinct difference between the two. We were talking earlier, like, how many reps do you guys think Tom Brady and Peyton Manning did on the bench? Did they even do the bench? I didn't know. But they're two of the greatest football players we'll ever get to see play. Well, uh, <laughs> hey, let's – they're two of the greatest quarterbacks ever play all right it's 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 a different way to to measure that's fine. fair fine fine i'm just saying like you know it's they need arm strength but does bench press translate to arm strength right no yeah. that, that was more of my 
That's only only avocado ice cream can do that. <laughs> he loves All right. Last last big name player. We talked about him a little bit. Jason Taylor, he didn't do too much today, as I said earlier, because he had a pretty solid performance at the combine. So why try to do better when you've already done really well? He's already met with the Jets. He has another meeting set up with them. He talked to a bunch of scouts today for a while. I'm not sure exactly what teams, but as I was sitting here thinking about how there's a potential he's going to go to the Jets, I thought, well, that sucks because like I don't want to have to play against him for <laughs> year and I don't like the Jets. But then I also thought having him and Sauce Gardner in the same DB room, that could be fun. No, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be very exciting. Gosh, yo, every time I see Jason Taylor out there, I'm just so much more impressed than I was the time before. I, I love this guy. I don't know if it's because he wore number 25 like your boy, but mm -hmm. I love this guy. And what's going to be so important for him are those private workouts. Um, you know, in the NFL, you get your group of 30 where each team is allotted uh, 30 players to come and visit the team. You can have those private workouts. You can have those classroom sessions where they're drawing up plays on the board. He has to go and, uh, and pitch it back to the actual coach, talk about how he would defend a certain play. But I love the story of, I don't know if y'all ever heard this, Lovey Smith. Like Lovey Smith had one of the greatest workouts that he had ever seen in a private workout. Like private workout, greatest workout he had ever seen. They had a first round pick, but his play didn't justify them using the first round pick on Devin Hester. So they traded out of the first round, selected him in the second round. And we know he's a Hall of Fame talent and then becoming one of the greatest picks that Lovey Smith was ever a part of. Right. Greatest so, you know, greatest returner in yeah. NFL history. Yeah. So those private workouts are going to be so, so key for Jason Taylor, the second. I'd say, yeah, the, uh, the, it's, it's kind of like the follow up to your first impression, I guess, right, Eve? Cause they get to see you on tape. They get to see you at the combine or at pro day. And then that's their first impression. And then you get to follow that up with a private workout. And then that kind of solidifies based on how well you do what your performance is there and your answers to certain questions. This guy is a good fit for our culture. So. Yeah, JP, he's going to be the highest drafted cowboy this year, right? Like, do we all agree on that? Him, bro. First round. <laughs> First overall pick, him, bro. Uh, well, I was wondering about that. Would it be Jason Taylor or Tyler Lacey, do you think? Because I could probably see them going around maybe the same time, but toss up on depending on what need a team has. Uh, it's not always that the, the best player gets drafted in front of the other because it's based on team needs. So uh, I'd say it's a toss up between those two. Yeah. I, I could see Jay. Honestly, I see Jason Taylor going as high as like late second round. Late oh, really? Second. Yeah. Whoa. He is just doing Whoa. himself more and more favors. Right. Based Whoa. on what I heard, like his football IQ is through the roof. Whoa. So yeah. That's I, awesome. Yeah. And I, I see that happening. I asked him today, do you want to be called a safety or a DB? And very quickly, he said, DB. And I said, so would you switch to corner if you needed to? He's like, absolutely. That's why I want people to know I'm a DB, which I think is one of the smartest moves mm -hmm. that you can make. Because if you are willing to go in and change your position, you're going to be a lot more appealing to teams where they're like, you know what? We're set at safety, but we need a corner. Right. Come on in. 
Yeah, and I already told you about how versatile he he was in the type of scheme that we played in, especially being that third safety in the middle of the field, him being able to come up in the box, play some linebacker, and also defend in the nickelback position. So he's a Swiss Army knife, and I'm excited to see you know what. what uh, that reminds me, it was pretty similar to Trey Flowers, right? I think he played was it corner in in college, and then played safety in the NFL for the Seahawks. Vice versa. So safety in college, corner for the Seahawks. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's still playing. He's Smart. still out there playing. I think <laughs> Cincinnati still Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, okay. still out there doing it, man. So yeah, it, it, it all depends on the teams, right? So there are certain teams who you know, like so at the top of my mind, you got the Bengals, you got the Seahawks, you got the Green Bay Packers, who they don't select corners that are under six feet tall. Like they love <laughs> long corners. You got to be two hundred five pounds. Like you know, that's just the things that they love. Um, so sorry about it, Broderick Brown. Sorry. <laughs> right. Hey, he, he got a shot with the San Francisco 49ers though. Right. Now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things to where if a team sees that you can be valuable in a different spot, you know, make yourself as versatile as possible. And Jason has already done that. And it's evident through the film. That's exciting. I'm excited for him. Less, Two, than, five, a month, nine, less than a month. And we will know where everyone has landed, whether it's via being drafted or getting that undrafted free agent call. And you know what? Nothing's wrong with either because even playing field, when you step onto camp, into camp in late July, early August, everyone has the same exact shot to earn a roster spot. Maybe some guys are a little bit higher up on the ladder than you. They have a couple bonus lines, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, you know, first first and second round picks typically are pretty safe for at least one season, two seasons. But uh you get you once you get your foot in the door, it's your time to take somebody's job and you just you can't concern yourself with anything else. Yeah. I heard something that was like we were talking about like networking and how it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I know that's different in football because you're getting drafted. It doesn't really matter if you know the coaches, it's all about needs and everything. But about like, yeah, it's your someone can help you into the door, but it's your job to keep yourself in there. So these guys, you're gonna get in the door, keep yourself there. Um, well be resilient. Last be exciting times in Kansas City. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to give a shout out to a couple of other OSU athletes who are not on the football team. Lexi Kilfoyle with more Big 12 honors, the second softball player in the Big 12 to receive the honors, Big 12 honors twice this season. Pitcher of the week maintained a 0.00 ERA in 14 innings of work, allowing only four hits and a walk. Guys, she kept her opponent's batting average to point. Zero eight five. Hey, eight five, baby. That's awesome. Got that, a seems, that seems pretty good. Is, yeah. Thanks, she came from Bama. We're happy you transferred here. Thanks for thanks oh. for choosing us. And Carson Benj Bengi. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, Carson. Big Twelve newcomer of the week in baseball led Cowboys batting average with uh, batting. 526 going 10 for 19 at the plate with two home runs, seven RBIs. He also pitched five innings in the midweek game last week over Wichita State. There was much more to his accolades. He was the DH. He played right field. I'm like, sir, what don't you do? So good job, Carson and Lexi. We see you. We see you. But I'd say that we see you too, Lizzie, but we really can't see you watching. But we appreciate everyone who has watched and listened. To this episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. 
like, share, subscribe, comment, follow, do all the things. We appreciate our listeners. Once again, I'm Meg, joined by Justin and Eve, and go Pokes! Go Pokes! Go Pokes! Go Pokes!